Lose the Gate Podcast, episode 163. Well, hey, hey, mamas, welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Lose the Cape Podcast. The Lose the Cape Podcast is co-hosted by me, Alexa Bigwarf, and Nancy Caviones. Each week, we bring you stories of interest and intrigue and perhaps help or uh, just bringing you information about things going on around the world that impact us as mothers, as women, as partners, as people in society who care what's going on. Um, this week I would invite you if you have been enjoying our podcast or if this is your first episode and you like it, we would love it if you would leave us a review on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you consume your podcast. Reviews really help other people who might be interested in the same topic find us and get a hold of our content as well. You can also head on over to losethecape.com forward slash podcast forward slash 163 for all of today's show notes and any uh, links that we discussed during this episode. Also, we are definitely promoting our Lose the Cape gift guide. It is that time of year where you might be looking for some new and fantastic ideas, either for yourself, for teachers, or for someone else in your life. Who knows, for your kids, whatever. We have a bunch of ideas over at the losethecape.com gift guide. Um, Just head on over to the website and you'll be able to access it from the front page or from today's show notes. We really hope you enjoy the show. We hope you will come engage with us and talk to us on Facebook or join your mom squad on Facebook or just come leave comments and hang out. We love getting new perspectives and engaging and of course want to make sure that the content we're bringing you is of interest and uh, keeps you coming back for more. So if you have ideas on topics or guests you'd like to know, you can also email us or reach out to us on Facebook. All right. Enjoy the show. Um, today, we have been talking about this guest for a little while now. If you uh, listen into our special uh, holiday gift guide episode, you heard us talk about her and her book for quite a bit. So today we have Cindy Turner. She is a licensed clinical social worker, a licensed substance abuse treatment practitioner, a master's addictions counselor, and she's been on the men- in the mental health career field, or care field, sorry, for over 20 years. She is the co-founder and clinical director of Insight into Action Therapy, and she has offices in Fairfax and Ashburn, Virginia. So you might have guessed this is going to be a little bit of a heavier topic today, (laughs) but we're going to make it as fun as we can. It's an important topic. So she uh, co-developed and facilitates the dual diagnosis recovery program. She's a national speaker on alcohol moderation, supervisor for licensure, good therapy topic expert and contributor, and therapist for players involved in the National Football League program for substances of abuse. That must be kind of interesting and fun. (laughs) Um, So her number one new release book, Can I Keep Drinking? How Can You Decide When Enough is Enough? offers alternative ways, alternative ways to have a healthier relationship with alcohol. But her most important job is raising two independent little ladies. So with a welcome, very, very, we are just really uh, obviously tripping over our tongues here. With, <laughs> with it's a like, mouthful. It's a mouthful. <laughs> so um, I mean, obviously you have a background in substance abuse and, and um, drinking and all of those kinds of things, but you know, the natural reaction a lot of times is to jump straight into um, either telling people that they just have to quit drinking or all of these kinds of things. What made you decide to write a book that helps people 
uh, well, can I keep drinking to, to even evaluate whether or not they should be drinking, how much they should be drinking and, and provide them a plan to drink in moderation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, in being in the field, the traditional recommendation when someone struggles with drinking is doing uh, residential treatment and doing AA and stop, stopping drinking forever. And in my years of experience, clients would sometimes, I joke, they come in court referred or they come in spouse referred. <laughs> um, that the husband or wife says, you're drinking too much, or family members are worried, but it's not quite destroying their life. So sometimes if they came in, they settled what they needed to with the court or they got their trust back with their spouse and they really reined things back, they would ask me, well, can I keep drinking? And I thought, you know what? Not everybody's an alcoholic. Let me do some research here. Um, and that's actually how I developed the quiz, the how do I know if I can keep drinking quiz, which gives predictors of whether someone is really um, what we call severely dependent on alcohol. Um, and only about 6% of the population is. Wow. Um, yeah. And really, the statistics show more than 90% of treatment is geared to that 6%. Hmm. What about the rest? So I'll quickly go over um, the different, what I call the four types of drinkers. Okay. Um, and let me tell you, this surprises a lot of people. Clinicians who've been doing this for their living are shocked at these numbers. Um, so the average person, don't be afraid to feel like, I didn't know that. Um, only 6% of people are what we call substance dependent. Um, those are what I call my pickles. And the idea here is that that's about 17 million people. That's the amount of people who live in Florida. Okay, so to give you a perspective, mm-hmm. there's a much larger group that is 90 million people. That's the amount of people living in the central time zone. Those 90 million people, about 22% of the population, are what I call cucumbers. (laughs) They're not yet pickled. They're starting to experience some challenges with drinking, but yet they haven't become dependent. So they may be the mom, you know, who's stressed out and dealing with the homework time at 5 o'clock, trying to run kids around a carpool, um, you know, and is just done. By that point, she starts having a glass of wine. She starts having another um, and then another sometimes. Um, so that's really who the, the book is geared for. Um, there's two other percentages that a lot of people don't know about. One of them is what I call waters. That's about 30, 37% of the population. They don't drink at all. Um, they, they just don't like the taste. They don't like losing control. Um, so my drinkers are surprised that there's that many people who don't drink. That, that number surprises me. Yeah. 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 Um, but the largest group are what I call donuts. Um, and donuts are people who have one or two occasionally. Sometimes they go a little crazy on a holiday. Sometimes at a wedding with an open bar, you know, they have a few too many. Sometimes when moms get a babysitter, they're just ready to party. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I call this group donuts. Because having one or two occasionally isn't going to hurt you, but having multiple donuts every day is eventually going to lead to serious consequences. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and solidly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just go ahead and <laughs> that I am solidly a cucumber. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I'm okay with that because mm-hmm. I know that I can go for, I mean, I have had three pregnancies, didn't touch mm-hmm. drop of alcohol through those. Actually, I did with my first one. I was having a lot of um, false contractions and my doctor told me to sit back with a glass of red wine and just relax, relax yeah. mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, chill out. But, um, you know, I've done whole 30 a couple of times so I can stop mm-hmm. and go 30 days without it. But yeah, I'm in that, um, I have three kids ages 11, eight and six. And we had about six months of what I thought was like the best, the sweet spot of parenthood. Everything mm-hmm. was great. My kids liked me, yeah. liked each other. Everything <laughs> yeah. was wonderful. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. we came out of it and now they fight all the time. Mm-hmm. Things are rough. The homework. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I already finished sixth grade. I don't want I to know. sixth grade again. That scares me. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so yes, uh, I will be the first to tell you in the evening. I do try to always wait until five o'clock. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm ready to have that glass of wine. Yeah. And, um, Something to I, take the edge off. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, so at what point in time do you cross the line between just something to take the edge off to mm-hmm. uh, maybe you should, maybe you should find something else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. I, I think what, what I really look at is when is it impacting your activities of daily living? Mm. I haven't gotten there yet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So is it affecting your health? Is it affecting your relationships? Are your kids saying, we don't like it, mommy, when you get to a certain point in the evening? I've had some kids say that, that, you know, by nine o'clock, we don't like being around mommy because she's, she's acting funny is what younger kids will say. Um, You know, sometimes there's legal issues, but um, one of the things I think that's really important for women to be aware of, alcohol affects us and our health about four times faster than men. Wow. So yes, yes. We don't have as much of a chemical called dehydrogenase in our system. So we literally don't process alcohol as well as men do. Um, so we develop cirrhosis and liver issues, uh, heart issues from alcohol much sooner than men do. Um, so that's something, especially for women, I really try to educate the people I work with. Yeah, um, that's, that, that's, that's really a factor. I yeah. didn't realize that. I knew, you know, I can put together the things of like um, the weight gain and all the other things that mm-hmm. that then catapult into higher risks of breast other. cancer mm-hmm. and other cancers and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't, mm-hmm. and, you know, people keep trying to say God is a woman. Well, this is just one more indication <laughs> that that is not the case. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, I, that's really interesting. Yeah, I definitely yes. thought that your ability to um, tolerate alcohol was related to how heavy you are. Like, I just thought that, you know, because my husband's a lot bigger than me. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, it's, it's actually a chemical. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That we, but the other thing I've noticed for women, and this is something I really share with the people I work with, because, and I never admit this in front of men, let's just put it that way. <laughs> if there's men listening, you're getting privy to something. Um, <laughs> Our hormonal shifts matter um, and impact uh, how alcohol affects us. Mm-hmm. So after pregnancy, that, that major hormonal shift, I've seen some women develop uh, issues with drinking at that point. The other major area when we see it is when we start to hit menopause. Um, that people who have drank fine throughout their lives hit menopause and then they start really experiencing more consequences 
um, more effects and inability to stop. So when people do one or two in the past, now it's three, four, five, six, um, and it's affecting their health a lot more. Well, that makes sense, because that's something that you hear a lot from uh, mm -hmm. women after they've had kids, is uh, I used to be able to drink mm -hmm. so much when I was younger, but ever since I had mm -hmm. kids, I yep. can't hold my alcohol anymore. Mm -hmm. So that definitely right. makes sense. Is yeah. it a permanent shift, or does it shift back when things are... Are you waiting until you turn like 60, girl? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Uh, um, what we find is during that heavy hormonal shift, people are, and it's, that again can occur anywhere from a couple of years to some women 10 or 15 years. Um, but I think what I have seen is the effects happen and then it's already done. Mm. So, you know, if you wait until say 60 or whenever you're through menopause, then theoretically it won't be as bad. Although as we get older, um, our body chemistry shifts, so the percentage of water in our body, our weight, and just the wear and tear. Um, typically, older people have a harder time as well. Well, that's just really unfair because if there's ever uh -huh. a time that we should be given the green light to drink, it's when going through <laughs> menopause. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Maybe you'll be one of the lucky ones. Yeah, uh, probably not. <laughs> but really, my my focus with people is I don't, when people come in to see me, they're usually struggling with something. Mm -hmm. Big part of what I look at is treating the why. Right. What's going on in your life? It's not about the alcohol. It's about the, the issues underneath and the environment. So what I tell people is I'm not going to take away your number one coping skill. I'm going to work with you to understand why and help you develop some other tools. Yeah. So sometimes it just goes straight to, oh, this is the easiest thing. It's quick, it's fast. Um, and it's hard to make a change. Um, so that, so one of the things I was wondering is um, what reaction have you gotten from other professionals about mm. this moderation approach? Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's interesting. I've gone around the country. Um, I've trained people on the East Coast. I've trained people on the West Coast uh, and everywhere in between. You know, and I th here's my that beeping is my kids going, Mom, can I stay after school? Let me turn, <laughs> turn that off. <laughs> I already told her she could <laughs> so study. Yes, of course you can do that. Um, but what's interesting is many treatment professionals are against moderation. Mm -hmm. They think I'm telling everybody to drink. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm telling people at all. That 6%, those are people who can't safely drink because their body chemistry has changed. Right. Oh, and, it, and it is very, very true. I mean, I, uh, alcoholism runs in my family. So it's, it's something that I'm definitely aware of. And should I get, mm -hmm. ever get to the point where I feel like, you know, those one or two glasses to take the edge off uh, mm -hmm. are turning into one or two bottles. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> when the amount and frequency go up. That's exactly. Worry. But yeah. so far, I feel like, I mean, I, I don't feel, I enjoy drinking. I enjoy sitting mm -hmm. around with a glass of wine and having it. But it was interesting. If we can shift mm -hmm. gears just a little bit, since this is a um, a podcast for moms, and, and we talk a lot about talking to our kids about tough subjects, we mm -hmm. were we were driving someplace the other day, and I stopped by the grocery store, and I picked up some alcohol for the weekend. My husband and mm -hmm. I were going away for the weekend. My 11-year-old asked me 
he said, mom, why do people drink? And mm. it kind of stumped me because I didn't want to tell him because we like to be buzzed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but really, I mean, I, I like the taste, I suppose, but mm. I like the taste of Coke too, you know, so Coca-Cola, mm -hmm. that would be. Um, or yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't, you know, so, so it was really interesting. Do you have, do you work with families? Do you talk with kids? Do you have talking points for kids as we get into the age where they might want to experiment or anything that you can share with us on how we talk mm -hmm. to kids about drinking? Mm -hmm. I think one of the big things that my approach is conversation is important. Parenting is marathon. and Every kids are always listening to what we're saying and what we're doing. Um, so if someone asks me a question about, you know, alcohol use, I might say, well, tell me what's the question behind your question. Because your child might actually be wondering something um, or is worried about something. Um, but you can give them those examples of the four different types of drinkers. Um, but, you know, there's cucumbers, there's pickles. Um, but very often I don't answer the question, well, do you do drugs? Do you do this? Right. <laughs> because then that sets up a problem of if you say, well, yes, I do, then it kind of almost gives permission to kids. Mm -hmm. But if you say, no, I never do, then they, they don't feel like you understand. So keep the focus on the kids mm -hmm. and just ask them questions um, and let them ask questions. That's, that's the biggest piece, I would say. Um, and, you know, talking about movie characters and family members and what they see on YouTube right. is a good way to engage. So, well, what do you think about that? Um, and yeah. I think the hard part is the consequences don't happen right away. Well, that's just yeah. it, the consequences. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting um, because I was just reading the other day about it was this um like blog post about how kids are always asking questions mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. that's question. how they learn that's how they learn yeah and somebody mentioned that there's this theory called the fourth question where if you keep, okay if you keep asking questions like why well yeah. why do you think that is eventually uh -huh. to the actual the actual okay that they're mm -hmm. looking for like to keep digging down further further yep. So um, it's interesting that you mentioned that, like just, you know, to keep asking the question, but yeah. why, but why, and then you just keep going deeper mm -hmm. until you mm -hmm. get to the root of the thing that you're looking for. Yes, because they may not even know what they're worried about. They may not have a concrete concern. And I think it's hard when they're teenagers because they are watching everything that right. we're doing. Um, so let's say you do choose to have a couple glasses of wine on a weekend. You can say, hey, this is because it's the weekend. This is because, um, you know, one child's going out tonight and the other one has a ride and mom and dad aren't going to leave the house and, um, you know, we're going to be safe and, you know, that this isn't a regular thing. So you can explain what's going on. But sometimes it's hard when kids may point out something we need to work on. Yeah, like when we were having a tea party and my girls poured themselves tea and mommy her wine. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so they're they're observing. Yeah, yeah. They are observing, that's for mm-hmm. sure. But we don't yep. talk about it. You know, I can't my family's really open about alcohol, at least my immediate family. I mean, I come from um from from families of drinkers, but not crazy drinkers. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, everybody right. It's a normal thing in our family for people to have um, beer or wine socially and those types of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, we we spent some time in Europe when my dad was stationed over mm-hmm. there. And, you know, alcohol is so different over there. It's such a normal right. part of life. And I mean, mm-hmm. from the time I was very young, I mean, I was 12, 13, 11, 12, 13 over there. And um, at social engage, social um, activities like holidays with our German neighbors and things. Yeah. It was not unusual for me to be able to have a little taste of beer or a little schnapps mm-hmm. if that's what they were. So, you know, I, I, I've always kind of come from the approach of if you normalize it so that it's yeah. not something that's super taboo, but at the same right. time, you know, let them know that this is an adult thing and that, you know, those types of things. I don't know. It's a very different approach than mm-hmm. what it often taken in the United States, especially in the South, yeah. where it's like, you don't touch it, yeah. you don't do it, you know, and then kids well, nuts. <laughs> and I think with alcohol and different countries, that is true because it's introduced much earlier. Mm-hmm. However, many Americans don't drink just for taste. Right. That's true. For effect. That's true. That is very true. So that's the big difference. Um, you know, if you're doing shots, you've got one intent versus if you're right. sipping a nice, uh, bourbon or wine and it complements your food. That's a very different um, different intent. That's and we have those conversations because kids don't always see things in black and white. So mm-hmm. it's our job to help them see the shades of gray. Absolutely. So who should read this book? Can I keep drinking? You know, of course, I'm going to say almost everybody <laughs> um, because that. If you're worried about it yourself, I wrote it in a way that's very conversational. It's not clinical. It's really helping people figure out where they fit on what I call that spectrum of abuse, Mm -hmm. you know, and helping you to see, do I have a problem or how do I know when it's a problem? And hopefully interrupting it before that point. I've had people give it to spouses, loved ones in a way rather than saying, you have a problem. Mm -hmm. It helps the person self, what I call self-assess and determine. Um, and also the focus is really about balance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about don't drink alcohol is evil. Let's, let's be healthy and balanced and living. Um, so there's some messages about that as well in the book. Yeah. I, I, go ahead, Nancy. No, I was going to say, what do you say to the person that says, well, I'm not going to pick up this book because I don't have a problem. You know, mm-hmm. I just have a glass of wine every night when I'm helping the kids with homework or, or mm-hmm. you know, nobody's ever said anything to me about it. Well, it, kind of that's the first dialogue is I'm concerned about you and you can point out some behaviors that concern you um, and you can't force someone to do something. What's that saying? You, lead, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink, but I think you can splash some stuff in there. You know, and sometimes even being able to say, hey, I read this. This is what I thought. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's many people, it takes some time to get some help. And I believe with our loved ones, we should be saying something. It doesn't have to be the main focus all the time. Um, but if we express our love and concern, 
they're going to hear that better than us screaming or shaming them. Um, this may be something that you have never heard. I'm just kind of curious mm -hmm. about this. Are you familiar at all with the MTHFR? Um, yes, gene? I am. I have it, unfortunately. <laughs> so, uh, we, I was talking about this with a group of my of women friends, and three out of the five mm -hmm. of us have that mutation as well, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. gene or whatever. Um, yep. Have you ever done any research on alcohol and that gene? You know what? I love that you just said this <laughs> um, because I actually am in the process of debating whether or not to sign for my next second and third books, And that's going to be part of my research, um, which I didn't think of. So look at you <laughs> because, because yes, our genetic makeups are all very different. Mm -hmm. And that, that, uh, gene basically doesn't allow us to process things as well. So there, I would, there's got to be a link. I'm going to do some more research and get back to you. Well, good. I can't wait to read about mm -hmm. it. We yeah. were also, you know, we were making our own connections and we noticed that all mm -hmm. of us like uh, had really difficult time, like, like one or two glasses of wine can literally make me vomit. Like I'm sorry yeah. for being gross here, but like <laughs> can make me, and I'm like, I did not just go on a binge. I did not go out and just drink seven bottles of wine. Why am I sick? Right. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. And you, I, I have heard of it, but I don't really know what it is. Can you clarify a little bit, like what the gene is? Mm -hmm. uh, like, good. Uh, I don't remember what it stands for. It's a gene that a lot of women have. It's a really long name, methyl something or another. Yes. But it's, yeah. uh, it's been really tied into, um, well, lately, the reason we've been talking about it so much is because of the tie into miscarriages and blood clots and different things like that. But it's a gene that a lot of women have and don't even realize they have. Um, yeah, wow. go back and listen to the podcast episode that I did for <laughs> pregnancy. And yeah, and, and it, it, it has a lot to do not only with pregnancy, but as women get older, um, the body is not as able to process toxins. Right. right. So that leads to a lot of weight gain, depression, um, even processing medication. So yeah, there's got to be a link with alcohol. And uh, folic acid is a big thing. You really, you can't, mm -hmm. you can't process because folic, folate is what your body needs. Folic acid is a th synthetic mm -hmm. thing that may, may, men, women have made. And if you have this gene, like women have a really hard time processing folic acid, which uh, because we, we um, add in so much folic acid, we fortify everything in the U.S., especially our mm -hmm. breads, our cereals, all these types of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's really interesting. And apparently, um, one of my friends was talking to somebody on an airplane the other day. He's doing research on um, the impact of folic acid and pancreatic cancer or prostate cancer. Mm. Sorry, prostate. Okay, cancer. okay. So it's it's just yeah. been a, it, and it's just interesting how much people are talking about this now. Mm. And, um, yeah. yeah, it would be really interesting to find out, like especially with like the sulf, is it sulfites in wine or something like that? If that triggers it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. No, that's a great, uh, I, I'm definitely going to research that. <laughs> I can't wait to yeah. hear what you find out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's a, it's a real topic of interest lately. Mm -hmm. right. um, 
Okay. So what I really like about your program is that again, because it's not just about saying, oh my gosh, you drink too much. You need to stop. It's about assessing where you fall in the drinking window. Um, and then you recommend a program. And would you like to talk a little bit about your program or how you have people like take a break and then roll back into mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. With um, basically the book is literally what I will do with clients who come in to see me. Um, and you can actually, I wanted to reach a broader audience of people. So really the first thing that you want to do is understand the role that alcohol plays in your life. Mm -hmm. Figure out your why and treat the why. The other piece I recommend is being clean for a period of at least four months. Oh. People are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> when they hear um, now again, I don't take the alcohol away before we give you some some coping skills right. and ways to manage, um, because alcohol is woven into celebrations right. and holiday gatherings and parties and stress management and end of the day. So helping people figure all those out. Um, but reason I actually recommend four months now moderation management. Um, when I'm, I work with them, I recommend them a lot. I've done some podcasts and writing for them as well. They recommend 30 days. I find that 30 days isn't enough mm. um, because anyone could kind of white knuckle it through that mm -hmm. and push through it and just grit your teeth. But to go through four months, we typically are going through a season. There's probably going to be a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday. So we really have to learn how to deal with the feelings that come up, the emotions, mm -hmm. and develop new patterns. The really interesting thing, moderation management found about half the people who choose to go through a four-month abstinence actually decide they don't want to go back to drinking. So that's not my ulterior motive. Right. Um, but a lot of people make that choice when they break those habits. Um, and then, you know, there's some people who really need higher levels of treatment, and I connect them to that. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes we find, you know what, we're miserable in our relationships or our job, or um, we have some health issues that need to be treated. Um, those things don't always come to the surface when we're masking it with alcohol. Mm -hmm. So going into, like, this holiday season, which can be mm -hmm. so It's drinking season, yes. If somebody were just discovering this program now, would you mm -hmm. recommend that they start it now or wait until after <laughs> I I oh I help people figure out what makes sense, but there's been a lot of people who are like, I can't possibly do this. What about Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and all the holiday parties? And I kind of say what better time to start it than when you're facing these difficult things. Oh, she's so that you can develop the tools. <laughs> I know, I know. But you know what? If you started in January, there's Super Bowl, there's Valentine's Day, um, there's true. Mardi Gras. There's Every season, there's something. Um, so, you know, I, I say it's kind of like a Band-Aid. Do you want to take it off really slow or you just want to rip it off and figure out and be empowered? Mm -hmm. um, and be a role model to your kids. That's what I think is really cool as a mom is they, they're watching what we're doing. Yeah. And they may see mommy having a hard time. And it's okay to say, you know what, mommy's really struggling. It's okay to say, I, I'd love a glass of wine right now, but you know what, I'm going to try these other things first. 
So we've taught our kids how to deal with adversity in that way. So what is some language that people can use at the sitting around Thanksgiving dinner and they mm -hmm. use a glass of wine and other people right. feel judged? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Annie Grace talks about this. What other chemical do we look at someone funny for saying I'm not going to do? You don't look at go to someone and say, well, I'm not going to do cocaine right now. Or I'm not going to take this poisonous, you know, mushroom. We don't go, oh, why not? What's wrong with you? It's important to have a statement. <laughs> right. And that's what, yes, people always go, oh, yeah. Um, but it's important to have a statement that works for you. Some people have said anything from, you know, I'm taking a break. I'm saving my calories for pie. Um, I just don't want to. No, thank you. Um, and it can help to let a family member know, whether that's your husband or um, a good friend or, you know, sister or family member, because some people will be dumb and ask and say something stupid. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's also important to bring a fun drink. Not drinking shouldn't be about deprivation. For example, if you don't normally drink soda, now's the time to have a soda. Um, or even create a mocktail. Mm -hmm. You know, come up with a fun drink that just doesn't have alcohol in it. Um, you don't have to sit there like, oh, I have my water. <laughs> and, and, you know, but water, hey, you know, if I drink that, that's great. You can have a little more to eat that way. So plan ahead is what I'd recommend. Okay. Yeah, I have a great recipe that the date box sent me for the mock uh, mart chocolate martinis. Ooh, <laughs> sounds <one>. yummy. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I think this is a great time to have this conversation, though, going into the holidays and heavy yep. drinking time and all of that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. um, for the most part, I guess the way I would wrap it up is... Um, would ask you to wrap it up is what are some signs that if people don't know, mm. if they really don't know, right. am I in a place of danger or am I okay? Yeah. Um, and if they haven't gone out and purchased your book yet, which they should go do, um, how, what do they ask themselves? What's mm -hmm. the best? I do something called the gut check and that's four areas. What's my amount? Is my amount creeping up? Um, what is my frequency? Is my frequency creeping up? Did it used to just be Friday or Saturdays and now it's every day of the week? Or did I used to say I'd only drink when I go out with friends, but I'm finding more and more events to drink? Mm -hmm. um, so my amount, my frequency, my intent. Mm -hmm. Am I enjoying the flavor? Mm -hmm. Am I enjoying one or two glasses? Or am I chasing an effect, a dullness, uh, a happiness? Am I trying to change my mood? And what's my impact? Mm -hmm. Is it affecting my relationships, my children, my health, my work, my activities of daily living? So those four areas are a good way to kind of just give yourself that little gut check. Um, and if you're brave enough to ask for feedback from a couple of your trusted loved ones, because um, hopefully they can let you know what they're noticing, because it, it doesn't happen overnight. That's the hard part. It creeps up on people. Yeah. So if there's anybody in your life that you'd like to subtly let them know you think you have a drinking problem, <laughs> yeah. you buying this book and sticking it in their stocking or giving it to them for Hanukkah or whatever. No, I'm yeah. totally kidding. It's a really, really personal thing. And um, 
I, I think the book is fantastic, but if you're going to give it to someone else, then it should definitely come with a conversation of love mm-hmm. and, um, and, and why you're giving it to them or even better yet, uh, get together your girlfriends and say, Hey, you want to do this with me? So I have a partner to go through this. That's a great idea. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know that anybody won't benefit from taking a four, four month break from alcohol anyway. I mean, just mm-hmm. all the, all the things that alcohol does to you, like make you fatter, that that happens. <laughs> <to me. laughs> so, um, anyway, Cindy, Wait, it, can I quote that? <laughs> you can totally quote that. I, I, I uh, yes. Um, <laughs> um it has been a real pleasure to interview you and talk mm-hmm. about this. And I appreciate you uh, allowing us to, to make light of, of yes. a pretty serious topic, but. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, I think your best therapist, your best support people are going to have a little bit of humor. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a miserable process because what's the point of life then? So amen. If you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Tell everybody where they can find you and where they can find your book. Of course they can get it on our podcast show notes today, but where would you like to direct yep. people? Yep. Uh, you can go to can I keep drinking.com. Um, there's links. If you would like a signed copy there, I can personalize it. Um, and of course, all of the major channels from Amazon to Barnes and Noble, um, but can I keep drinking.com. Well, great. Thank you so much. Thank you again for being one of our sponsors this holiday season. And we don't mean an alcohol sponsor, but <laughs> that too. <laughs> and uh, I can't wait to read your next book when it comes out on all the. Thank you. Yep. It'll be uh, uh, March, 2020. So it's, it's in the making. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. Thank you guys. Take care.